Will you take your Bibles, please, and turn to the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. When Letha was getting the bulletin and so on ready, I gave her one title for this morning's message. And then I gave her another title. And, and so, because I wasn't too sure what title would best fit that which I'm about to speak on. You have one title up there, and there's another title in my notes here, and there's another title in my mind. I wanted to say three signs instead of two. And the reason I wanted to do that is because I want to speak on two of them this morning, and then the next one um, sometime at the beginning of the year, because next week is communion, and then we get into the Christmas. But the third one, let me tell you what it is. This morning, I want to speak on two signs that prove that we are a Christian, that we are believers. And the one sign the Scripture speaks about in Ephesians 4, kindness. The second one is to be tender-hearted. Two signs that we, we scarcely ever talk about. In my studies, and as I went through commentaries and so on, it's interesting how almost all the commentators jump over kindness and jump over tenderheartedness to forgiveness. And, and that, I, I think I understand why. Forgiveness is at the root of what has happened to us, and for that reason, we are a part of the family of God. But I want to suggest to you that part of the package of becoming a believer, part of the package of becoming a, a follower of Jesus Christ, is that he does something within us that affects our outlook on life. We, we, we are different, different people. We are not the same as we were before we came. I'm always impressed with the fact that when Jesus met Peter and he was introduced to Peter, he said, you are Peter, your name shall be. And name in the Bible is always a change of character or an anticipation of what character is supposed to be. And so this morning, two signs, the proof, the power, whatever. This morning, we want to look at Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 30 to 32. Please turn there. Our text is from verse 32, but the context really is from verse 22 to 32. We'll read 30 to 32. Ephesians 4, 30 to 32. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And here's the text. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. May God bless his word. And now, Father... We sang it. Open our eyes, open our ears. We do not want to pretend. We want to really, really know 
the voice of God's Spirit from God's Word as we come to the text this morning. Lord, we are not here simply to be informed. We are here to be transformed. And the only one who can transform a life is God. And God has done that through His Spirit. And so we acknowledge Him as the one who will do whatever spiritual work is to be done so that at the end we get the joy and you get the glory. In Christ's name, amen. I don't know if you know who Will Durant is. Will Durant is one of the 20th century uh, historian that has studied ancient history and has shown us certain things. And Will Durant, in talking about Christianity going into Rome, said that when Christianity entered Rome, that Caesar was confronted by Christ, talking about the representative, and Christ won. Caesar was confronted by Christ, and Christ won. Here's my point. You have become a Christian. I have become a Christian. The devil was confronted by Christ. Who is winning? Listen to what he says. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you are sealed unto the day of redemption. But what I want you to do is to put away all the, all the garbage that we bring when we come to Christ. And by the way, he takes care of the garbage, okay? He takes care of it by his blood. And then we become, the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone be in Christ... He's a new creation. All things are passing away, and behold, all things are becoming new. And so here we are then. The apostle says in verse 22 of chapter 4, you have learned certain things about Christ. You have learned certain things from Christ. You are now a person of the book, and you are to begin to put away from your life those things which, which grieved you before and displeases God, displeased God at this moment. And so he said, I want to give you some signs. That's my word. I want to give you some signs of what happens when you become a believer. And I call these signs the, the active and the passive sign. The active and the passive sign. We want to look at the active sign first of all this morning. Listen to what he says. And be kind. And be kind. Here's a description of the sign. I find myself becoming something I never was before. As we have been walking through this book, we were confronted with our language, with our behavior. And now he goes to the interior. He begins to talk about something that I find myself strangely moved to be becoming. We'll see this in a minute. What is kindness? To be kind, it's interesting in the original, the, the, the word to be kind is, is a word transliterated Christos. Christos. You can hear something of Christ in there. 
it is spelled C-R-E-S-T-O-S. The word for Christ is Christos, C-R-I-S-T-O-S. Do you get it? Because kindness is a divine attribute. Kindness is not something we were born with. Kindness is what happened to us when we encounter, are encountered by Christ. We shall see this in a few minutes. It is something that belongs to God and God brings into our experience. Titus chapter 3 and verse 4 says this, After the kindness and love of God appeared. It wasn't here before. Kindness is a very unique experience in the life of a believer. Because what happens when a believer is becoming kind, he begins to act with favor up to those who do not deserve it. I, I, I saved two stories for this morning, and one of them is what happened to me in the store this past week. I went to the stores I usually do to buy some stuff. And, and I ordered my stuff and gave my f- phone number so I could get my discount for my gasoline. And I put my hand in my pocket and my wallet wasn't there. And I thought, oh no. What am I going to do? I hope I don't have to go home and come back again. So the guy at the checkout said, uh, you want me to hold your stuff? I said, yes, please do. Because I was almost sure that I kept, left my wallet in, in the car and, and so I went back to the car, and sure enough, my wallet was sitting on the, the front seat. Whew. So I quickly went back to the guy, and I'm waiting to pay him. And I'm waiting to pay him. And I'm waiting to pay him. And he said, the guy just paid for your groceries. I said, What? I don't even know the guy. He said, yeah, he paid for it. And I thought, you're kidding me. So I saw the guy going out the the, the door, and I made a dash, which was the wrong thing to do. Because you might think you're stealing something and try to get away. You know, that that was my, 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 my mind. And I ran to the guy, and I said, sir, I was told that you just paid for my groceries. He said, yeah. I said, I want to thank you. No, I, 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 I was, by the way, I was wearing a sweatshirt. I don't know if he thought I was, you know. You know. <laughs> I said, I'm a minister, sir. And this week I am, I am speaking on kindness. And you have just given me an illustration for Sunday. I said, Good. He, he was not a man of many words. <laughs> but, but I thought, what, a, what an interesting thing to do. He didn't know me. I didn't know him. I didn't know he'd done it. But where does kindness come from? My friends, kindness is an expression of part of the image of God in us. We were made in his image. And when he made us, even though we are fallen creatures, 
the residue of that, that creation lightness is there. That is why a person, in fact, the atheists like to ask the question, do you have to, be, you have to believe in God to be good? No. No. You only have to be alive because God made you in his image anyway. See, so, so you, don't have to, you don't have to believe in God to be good. But when you believe in God, please listen, kindness becomes a way of life. And kindness then becomes the means by which God makes himself known to those around him. The word in the Old Testament is loving kindness, which is a great, great word. But I want to suggest to you that it comes from God. It, bega- it begins with God. So, It is a word that speaks of a divine attribute. I want to say that as we become kind, we become like God. Because chapter 5 and verse 1 will begin by saying, be imitators of God. Be imitators of God. But I want you to see something else. It is a divine alteration. It says, be kind. Again, excuse me for the, for the original language. It says, be kind. The, the word is, be becoming. So that it doesn't happen all of a sudden. But the longer we are, be, 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 the, 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 the people of God, the longer we become acquainted with the attributes of God, He begins to share those with us and they take on a part of who we are, a part of what we are part of what we do, so that whether it is a word or an act, we are kind people. I don't think that anything is as distasteful as an unkind Christian. For the simple reason, we are receiving kindness from God. And if we are receiving kindness from God, then my friends, we express kindness. And listen to what the text says. Be becoming kind. It is a call to replace all those things that we find in verse 28 and 29. Our language is changed. He alters them so that no unwholesome words come from our mouths. Kind words do. I remember some, some, some years ago, I was, I was counseling uh, a couple in, uh, in Toronto. <laughs> and, and they were having quite a time. And so they were beginning to get some help. And he, he decided that one day he was going to try something. And he went and he bought his wife a beautiful birthday card. And they're telling me the story. And I have permission to say, to say this, by the way. And they said, he, he came back really annoyed He said, I was following what you said. I bought this beautiful card for my wife. I gave it to her. And she looked at me and said, did you read what it said? (laughs) Did you read what it said? You see, my friends, when, when we are kind people, we look for ways to speak words that encourage people. When we are kind, we look for words that will help people to want to be better than they are, not in competition with anyone, but in anticipation of what God is making them. So Paul said, speak words that will encourage people. And so there's an alteration that is taking place. I want to replace 
unwholesome words. I want to replace bitterness because those things keep a person from being kind. And so that's the active sign. But there's something else I want you to see in this text and it it comes to where we are this morning. Kindness in our text is self or it's directed. Listen to what it says. Be kind to one another. Be kind to one another. It means, my friends, that that kindness, if there is one place kindness is to be expressed, where we serve one another, where we encourage one another, where we think well of one another, where we speak well of one another, if there's one place that is to be had, is to take place, it is to take place in the church. The phrase one another is used over 120 times in the New Testament, mostly in the, God, in the epistles. Because, you see, my friends, we are not born again to ourselves. We are born into a family. And nothing is as important for a family to speak beautifully and kindly to one another, to one another. And, and, and the thing that, that is most disturbing to me is that kindness seems to have been a forgotten attribute in Christians. Think about all the church fights we have. Uh, not, not we here. <laughs> One of the things that's been really remarkable for me, when we have our council meetings, you know, even though there are just a few of us there, our council meeting is conducted with kindness. You don't have people screaming at one another across the aisle. I have been in meetings like that. I've been in meetings where, where one wonders if, if, if this is Christianity. But my friends, it is not Christianity. Christianity is where we consider one another. Christianity is where we seek to provide an atmosphere in which people can use their gifts Share their words, encourage one another, lift one another, do things that are not called for to be done, but it will benefit the person for whom it is done. I am very careful. As you know, I do not use overheads because I believe that we are here to hear God's word. And, and if the action I'm going to take now, was a mo- if it was a movie, I would not have been showing it because I don't think we need Hollywood to tell us how to behave. But this is something that was done in a very unique way. I want you to watch it for a few minutes. You may have seen it. If you have, please bear with us. If you haven't, I want you to get the message, kindness, and how it is displayed. I'm prepared to tell it if you can't see it. Was in a lot of pain. Just, you know, I tried to keep my legs straight, but I was in so much pain that I couldn't really keep you still. Have the lights. 
Tikalski, with a torn ACL, crawled back to first base. She was a long way from reaching home plate and keeping her first and only home run. When she got back to first base, she just, she laid there and she hugged on the first base. And then I, at that time, I was staring at the base and I go, what on earth are we going to do? And I turned the umpire standing right next to me. I said, what is the ruling if I put somebody in for Sarah? He said, it'll be a two-run single. If anybody would have on her team would have helped uh, Sarah, she would have been a called, called out. That was the problem. None of Tukolsky's teammates were allowed to touch her. That's when Central Washington's Mallory Holtman, a player with more home runs than any other in conference history, a player for the opposing team, spoke up. I went to the home plate umpire and asked if we could pick her up and carry her, and he looked at me a little strange. And the umpire went and said, yes, you can do that. I'm still standing there in shock. I don't, I said, thank you so much. We asked her, so like, is it okay if we pick you up and carry you around the bases? And I say, yes, and you know, and say thank you. And she says, you hit the ball over the fence, you deserve it. For that reason only, because she deserved it, Holtman and Liz Wallace began to carry the injured Tukolsky, stopping to touch her left foot on each base as the three made their way around the diamond. We actually started laughing because we were just wondering what this would look like to all the people in the stands. When I looked up, I... I didn't see, you know, giant like, smiles and screams. I saw emotion and tears and, and people crying. It's a great moment when someone has character to step up and do the right thing at the right time. It's emotional. You're proud. associated with those kids. That's the first home run of the season for number eight, Sarah Tikolsky. The fact is, you know, I, I made my goal. I hit a home run, and um, yeah, it's my last at bat of my career, but I, you know, made my goal, so I'm proud of myself. Mallory Holtman, Liz Wallace, and the Central Washington team lost the game that day, 4-2. Sarah Tukolsky lost the rest of her season and her career to a knee injury. But for the spirit of sportsmanship, a greater victory. Made on a long trot around the bases, a trip that truly touched them all. I have a lot of respect for her and put her in high regards, um, her and her teammates. And, you know, I can't thank her enough. Afterwards, Central Coach... Kindness. I looked at that and I've looked at it several times. I saw it when it was done. 
and I have been waiting since I saw it when it happened to share this with you. Because I want you to understand something about kindness. Two very important lessons about kindness. First of all, kindness is spontaneous. It is not something you say, I'm going to be kind to someone today. You will see why in a moment. It, it is like David in 2 Samuel 9. When he was king, after all Jonathan did for him, could say, is there anyone from Jonathan's offspring to whom I can show kindness? Here, my friends, is what I'm asking you this morning in this congregation. When was the last time you decided to show kindness to a brother, to a sister, to a friend, to a neighbor, to, to a young person, to an older person? Kindness is spontaneous. The second thing about kindness, as you looked at that and what the text really teaches, kindness is sacrificial. Kindness costs. I, I think this is why St. Paul, in writing to, to, to the people at Philippi, says, make sure that when you show kindness, you don't grumble. Because we can do it and say, oh, it's something I guess I got to do. No, there is, there is a joy about it. And my friends, it doesn't have to be something great. It could be a phone call. It, it could be that, that, that you do something like making whatever. I don't want to say anything because several years ago, I was, I was, when I was a student, I was living in Dallas, Oregon as a visitor. Uh, I was preaching in some place, I don't even know where. And I made the comment about um, that I was having problems seeing because I would, I would be needing glasses and I, I made this statement and I just made it as an illustration. After the service, someone came up and gave me $10 to get new glasses. <laughs> so from that time, I thought I'm not going to say what, what, I, what I want. But what I'm, what I'm dealing with, my friend, is not, it's not me. It's you. It is you having been touched by God. His kindness appeared to you. Are you desirous, are you passionate to share that kindness to one another? He directs it. He said, be kind to one another. Not simply be kind. But to have, to have, to have this, this, this disposition that belongs to God. That he shows kindness. Not simply to those who, you know, this girl, the, the, the most home run hit in the history of the Washington team looked at someone who was going to hit one home run. But what was more important to her was the joy of this girl more than the amount of home runs she has hit. That's Christianity. That my greatest joy is to express to you what God expresses to me. And, and when I express it that way, I become like my father. I become like the one who showed kindness to me. And how does God show kindness? He says he causes the sun to shine on the just as well as on the unjust. We tend to show kindness to people who deserve it. We tend to say if. But not so the scriptures, friends. The kindness of God appeared to those who did not deserve it. These two girls did not have to leave their bench as the opposing team to go and show kindness to someone and then lose the game. 
But if we have, if we have our spiritual priorities right, friends, it is possible for us to wish for the joy of someone else more than we wish for our own joys. Because I want to suggest to you that as we seek to express joy to others, we cannot plant, but that we will eat the fruit of what we have planted. That's the active side of kindness. But I want you to see the passive in the next few minutes. The second part of verse 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted. Tenderhearted. Again, I said that I didn't find one, one commentator dealing with this to any extent at all. But what, I want you to see the sphere. Where, where, where does kindness begin? Kindness does not begin with my actions. It begins with my attitude. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted. The believer does not act from an outward motivation, but from an inward change that has taken place. The heart is considered to be the seat of the emotions and the intentions. And listen, God always begins with the source, not with the surface. If, if God is going to make you or me into a kind person, he doesn't begin by making us do. He makes us kind. And he begins with our hearts. Christian kindness is not self-seeking, self-motivated. It is spiritual heart transplant. I could say more about that, but time is going because I want to get to my second point. The sphere is the interior. This is where God does it. Why are you... I remember, again, back in Toronto, a family visited the church where I was, and he said, I'd like you to come and visit us. And so we, we, uh, I, I, I made a date to go and visit this family. <laughs> and, and when I was sitting there, he was admiring some things about me. And I said to him, I want, I want you to know, I wasn't born this way, you know. He said, you weren't? No. Let us never, even the, the most wonderful person out there, friends, that you see, sometimes you make the mistake of saying, wouldn't it be wonderful if that person becomes a Christian? Why? The only way that person will become a Christian is that person has a spiritual heart transplant. And this is what God does. Here's a passive sign side of it. It's not something you can see. It's not something that happened to me and that is why. It is something that, that actually took place when I encountered Christ. When, when Christ became my Savior, he started to do some renovating of who I am so that I become more like him. And now look at the sensitivity. I want you to be tender-hearted. Uh, you know, if there's one thing that you and I, especially us as men, are not known for is to be tender. We, we, we are known for our ruggedness. We are known for, especially my background, as a, from a British background, upper thick lips. I remember my mother saying to me, when I was a little child, what are you crying about? 
Well, I didn't know what I was crying about, but I was crying. <laughs> and that must have been some reason. <laughs> Tenderness. It is something we must all learn, friends, because at the base, at the base of all our lifestyle, there is a sense in which you and I are individuals who would like more to be away from people, serve people, than we would as God has called us to do. So how does God change that? Please listen. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. Listen to these words. Moreover, says God, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will take away, remove the heart of stone from your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. To be tender, my friends, means that we feel, we seek to understand we seek to share for the benefit of others. We do not live with, with bitterness. We do not live with, with, with unkind words. We do not live at the expense of other people. Tender means that you are a person easy to be entreated. You can approach that person. You can talk to that person because you know that when, when, when they talk with you, they have you in mind. The superintendent with whom I served in Toronto, we became extremely good friends. In fact, when he died, I was asked to take his funeral. And I would say to Lois every time we would meet with Grant and Dorothy, there's something so unique about this man. I never leave a conversation with him and have to wonder if after I left. Have you ever talked with people and when, when, when you leave, you say, ah, oh, there's something that didn't ring true there. I just don't feel. It didn't reach me. A tender person, my friends, is a person that is willing to be vulnerable because their motivation is not what they want. Their motivation is to express the attitude and attribute of God. So that person will get rid of everything that will keep them. Everything that would keep them from becoming tender. God says, what I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to, to actually produce a new heart in you. The heart you were born with will not do. And if you, are to, if you are to express who I am to a culture, a culture that is self-centered, a culture that is full of pride, a culture, my friends, that is so individualistic, if you are to express who I am, you've got to have a new heart. You can't use the one you were born with. And perhaps that's why kindness is such a hard thing. G.K. Chesterton was so right when he said the trouble with Christianity is not that it has been tried and found wanting, but it has been observed and found difficult and left untried. It's tough. If, you know, the other day I was, I don't even know where I was. I just remember the scene. There a couple of young ladies coming out the door, and I was coming in, and so I opened the door for them to go in, and they looked at me and laughed. They did. And, and you know what? I didn't say, you little selfish brats. 
because I wasn't looking for brownie points. I simply want to express what God has been expressing to me. And I would have, I would have been anything but tender-hearted if I got angry because they did not respond to me. And so here, verse five, uh, verse, chapter 5, verse 1 of the next chapter that we were looking at at the beginning of the year, listen to what Paul says. Be imitators of God because it is God who is performing spiritual surgery to make you not like your spouse, not like your neighbor, not like your pastor, but like my son who loved you and gave himself for you. I want to challenge you this morning, friends. Before the day is done, ask God to make you kind and then look for ways to express it. Father, take your word and may the Holy Spirit drive it where it belongs so that from this day, this congregation, Sotoville Evangelical Church, Lord, we will be willing like those two girls from the Washington team to pick up others when they're hurt and to help them fulfill their dreams. I pray, Father, that this will not be something that happens overnight nor ends overnight, but that kindness and tender-heartedness will be a way of life for the members of this congregation. In Jesus' name, amen.